Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And we are live, Rangers and overall hockey fans. Thank you guys so much for coming back for episode 46, a Rangers review. Myself, Wardy, alongside Statboy Steven. We have a plethora of topics to get into in today's episode. We're going to try to go as fast as we can without rushing because there's a lot to discuss here. There really is. And of course, if you guys are watching the live stream right now, that being... Uh, this being January 27th, uh, Thursday, we, of course, will be taking questions towards the end of the live stream. So stay tuned for that. And if you're listening on replay, wherever you get your podcast, thank you guys all so much for being here, no less. But a lot of games to get into. We'll be recapping games 40 to 43 for the Rangers, their past four games, in which they went 3-1 and one over that span. Then we'll be getting into really how the Rangers have fared in these games exactly without some key players that are currently out with injury going forward now, and also taking a look at some significant trade rumors have actually come out, something with substance that we can discuss regarding some key players in the league that may find themselves in New York or may not. Again, we're still right around two months away from the trade deadline, so still quite a bit, but I'm excited to get into that. And also some news on Ryan Strom contract extension potentially, along with leading up to the upcoming schedule for the Rangers. That is highlighted by, yes, uh, Mr. Henrik Lundqvist's jersey night. Retiring that number 30 is going to be something special this Friday. But yeah, let's get into it, folks. Steven, how are you doing, my man? Good, good. Uh, busy week for me personally uh, with some non-hockey-related stuff, but overall doing pretty well. Um, you know, Rangers going 3-1 and one definitely helps. Um, it's nice to watch the Rangers again at midnight instead of 3.30 a.m. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of Ranger fans are happy to watch the Rangers at 7 p.m. again. Yeah, that no, it, it feels it feels really good. And it I think what all what also feels really good is knowing that I get to swipe that title away from your waist as we speak. Because oh, predictions from last episode, I think I what what did you have, Steven? Tell tell the I, folks. That, I had two me. one and one and you had three one and oh. So we don't even need to look at the goal scored. You just flat out got the prediction. I, I, I smoked I smoked you three and one and I had the over on goals. So and the Rangers scored roughly 20 goals over the past four games. So everything yeah. went right. I will gladly take that back. Thank you very much. Now getting into these games, we got a lot to discuss. And I, these games, I will say there's one thing that was in unison about them all outside of Chris Kreider scoring literally in every single one of them. It was that the Rangers were flat-footed to start each and every one of these games, even in these three to four victories. They weren't pretty to start by any stretch, and quite embarrassing in some of them. But to see them come back was obviously huge. That shows a team that is not just resilient, but a team that more than likely is going to win games than lose. That is why they are currently first in the Metro at 28-11-4. Yes, with some games on hand, but no less. Big games to get into here. Let's start off with that first one in Toronto, Steven. So take it away. Yes, yeah, Toronto, I should say. Against Toronto, yeah. Uh, of course, Rangers beat uh, the Maple Leafs in Toronto earlier this season with that Panarin overtime goal. Um, it was a different affair this time. Uh, early on, Toronto Maple Leafs, really good start with uh, two goals in the first four minutes of the game, Ilya Mikheyev and Mitch Marner. Um, Rangers come back to 2-1. Ryan Reeves with a goal. I didn't even know that was – I was honest. I thought that they were saying it wrong when they said that was his first of the year. It felt like Revo already had one. But, yeah, it was his first 
goal as a New Ryan York Ranger. Had some Artemi Panarin esque assists so far yes. this season. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Between the legs passes, um, uh, spin around my backhand passes. Um, uh, the guy's playing out of his mind. The guy, he has all the confidence in the world this season, and and he only scored his first goal now against the Maple Leafs on on January nineteenth. Um, got the Rangers back in it, uh, assisted by Greg McKeck and of course Adam Fox, because it wouldn't be a game without an Adam Fox assist. Um, and then at the end of this end, end of the, end of the period, Michael Bunting getting uh, the third goal for the Maple Leafs. So the Rangers go into the first intermission down three-one, and this is like you said, a little bit of a theme in in the last week or so. Uh, Rangers have a slow start, but. I don't know what Galan said in that first intermission in the locker room. Whatever he said, it worked. Uh, second period, three minutes in, Ryan Reeves for the second of the game. Becomes like the first Ranger to score his first two goals for the franchise in the same game since Ryan Klo in 2013. Um, his second goal assisted by Miller and Truba. And then at the end of the period, Adam Fox with his sixth goal of the season assisted by Stroman Panarin. Uh, and then going tied into the third period, uh, the Rangers come out strong again. Uh, Ryan Strom getting us the lead, assisted by Lindgren and Panarin. Uh, Chris Kreider with goal number 25 at even strength, uh, assisted by Truba and Zabanajat. And then near the end of the end of the um, near the end of regulation, the Rangers up 5-3. Maple Leafs pull their goalie and Adam Fox. With uh, with his second goal of the game in the seventh of the season, uh, assisted by Zibanejad, Zibanejad winning the faceoff in his own zone, and Fox from from his own corner, from his own red line, uh, goes for it, and and it was a beautiful shot, and uh, and it shut up the Leafs fans everywhere. It was amazing. Rangers win the game six three. Uh, they jump to a 26-10 and four record with that win. Um, you know, they got tw- only 27 shots on goal in this game. Jack Campbell saved um, saved 21 of them. Uh, of course, one of the shots was on the empty net. Uh, Shashjorkin with a really good uh, second and third period recovered really well. Uh, you know, recovery on 35 this part. saves in 38 games. And we'll get into Shashjorkin uh, a bit more later on. But, yeah, uh, Liked what I saw from the Rangers in the second and third period. Not too happy about that first, but moving on to the next game. Uh, yeah, before be before we go on to the next game, just want to let everyone know that, of course, if you watch the game, Rangers did get dominated in the shot column, 38 to 27, and that was a huge focal point for Toronto in that first period. The Rangers were just getting outplayed, and it, unfortunately, it seemed like a common trend that we've had a lot this season, going against teams that are either around the same level record-wise or even a little bit ahead of them, and that was a concern going into this one, but then you had face-offs for, uh, won by at least 55 to 45, Power play favored the Leafs 1 to 4 to 0 to 2. Hits dominated by the Rangers 31 to 12. Blocks even right around 14, 15 apiece. Same thing with giveaways 8 and 9. But that second period and beyond. Yeah, I don't know what Gallant did. He got a fire under their ass. Ryan Reeves looking like an absolute beauty out there. Had an awesome post game too that I saw. But yeah, loved everything. I got in for goals, by the way, which I, the reason I mentioned it is because it won't be the last time I'm saying that on this recording. Yeah, which Five is even nine. more bizarre. Five unanswered, you know, Leafs, look, Leafs coming, uh, choking after a 3-1 lead, you know, need I say more, you know, they, they're going to continue with their history. Let's be honest yeah. here, but that's enough of that. Let, let's pivot into the next game for the Rangers, which wasn't nearly as positive. And this was a game where, in my mind, the writing was on the wall. 
as soon as I saw, and let me make it clear, this was this game was not by any means all on Alexander Yuryev, but as soon as Gallant made the announcement that Yuryev was starting this game, I, myself, and most Ranger fans were rightfully pissed off. Now, we don't know the reasoning behind that. Could Igor maybe have just been a little roughed up that it would have been better to go on the second night than that first night? If that's the reasoning that we just don't know, then okay, then I can't complain too much. But from what we know right now, that was a frustrating decision because, yes, Rangers definitely got outplayed in this one, but Igor has been that X factor. He, Igor has been the best player for the Rangers all season. You're not just looking at him potentially winning the Vezna, but he's making an argument to this point at potentially winning an MVP. That's how amazing he has been all season long. Without him, you know, the Rangers at times are a shell of what they normally are because they mm-hmm. need that type of guy in goaltending. And I know that we're not supposed to be relying on goaltending, but the Rangers, they've done it, and Igor thankfully has stepped up. So having Matt was huge, and of course the former Rangers just poured it on. And I, again, none of this was a surprise. If you would have thought that Tony D'Angelo, Jesper Fast would get no points in this one, you'd have to be an absolute fool. It was inevitable. And look, Carolina is now the new New York Rangers. It went from being the Tampa Bay Rangers to the Carolina Rangers. And it's funny because when you think of those two locations, those are the two, some of the most prominent locations that New Yorkers end up moving to either for work or just when they retire. So it's kind of bizarre how that all works out. But in the first, Vinny Trotrek scores assisted by Tony D and Svechikov. Then Seth Jarvis, the rookie, who I'm a big fan of. Again, I I have no, no issues with this Carolina team. They're so much fun to watch. But yeah, Rangers definitely didn't fare well, assisted by Aho and Teravinen. Getting on then to the second period, Jesper Fast scores on a nice setup from Tony D on the power play and Lorenz having an assist as well. Um, pardon me, not on the power play, just off the power play. But then Mika Zibanejad was able to answer off of a beautiful shot, this time on the power play. Prime Mika, 1T, beautiful snipe to make it at that point a 3-1 game. Assisted by Panarin and Kreider, that was Mika's 15th of the year. But then Sebastian Ajo in front, just poor defense. And honestly, a bad look by Georgiev. That was one of the worst goals he gave up in that game because Georgiev went for a rebound, was not able to get his glove over the puck, just missed, and Ajo was able to bury the second rebound there for his 17th of the year, unassisted. And then terrible defense again. Nino Niederreiter right in front. No defenseman there whatsoever. Rangers just looking so subpar. They were getting outplayed, outwork. It looked like that Carolina had a power play for the majority of the game in the offensive zone. Rangers were just gassed. They had no chance. Niederreiter gets his 11th, assisted by Svechikov and Cole. It's a 5-1 game at that point. And here, I stopped watching. I'll be completely honest. And then I started watching again just to see them lose because – Going to third, early on power play, Chris Kreider doing what he does best, scores to make it at least a little bit more of an interesting game. 5-2 at that point. He's 26 of the year, assisted by Fox and Zibanejad. Then Greg McKegg, the former Carolina Hurricane, scores his first of the year. Finally, Greg is doing something for the Rangers. He makes it a 5-3 game at that point, assisted by Revo and Miller. But then, of course, towards the end of the game on the power play, Tony D'Angelo gets a nice snipe from the point to score for his seventh of the year, assisted by Ajo Trocek. Tony scoring against Gurgiev. Again, this was all inevitable, okay? That's all I have to say, really, about this one. It sucks that the Rangers got so outplayed, but Carolina is, along with the Colorado Avalanche, probably one of, if not the best team in the league. They've been that good all year long. They're so much fun to watch. Us Ranger fans know too well how good Carolina has been, really since the bubble, especially a little bit before that, as we've interacted with them. But Carolina outshot the Rangers 
35 to 23. A face-offs favored Carolina 53 to 47. Power plays both teams scored two apiece. Uh, hits dominated by the Rangers 39 to 23, but that's because they didn't have the puck as much too. Blocks even 14-14. Giveaways right around the same 15 to 16. Yeah, ba- some bad goals given up by Georgia, but just terrible play for a large portion of this game. And yeah, Carolina just simply outworked the Rangers. It, it was a good lesson learned for sure. First, uh, multiple matchups the Rangers have against the Hurricanes this season. But, Stephen, any uh, more remarks on this game before we jump to the next one? I think this was just a perfect example of uh, where the Rangers are versus where the Rangers want to be. Yep. Uh, The Carolina Hurricanes are a more complete team. Uh, This team has gone to, I think they went to the conference finals a couple of years ago uh, when they lost to Boston. Yep. That's the type of experience the Rangers are still lacking. And and that playoff experience also comes in handy in the regular season because there are certain situations where, you know, you look at these games and you go, oh, it would be nice if, if the Rangers were able to do that. When, when the Carolina Hurricanes had sustained pressure five on five in our zone, like you said, it looked like a power play, but it, it was five on five play. And and that's one of the one of the things that the Rangers still need to get better at. So yeah, losing 6-3, it sucks, but um, you're playing against, in my opinion, uh, one of the best teams in the league. And if I'd have to name one team in the East who would be my front runner to go for the Cup this year, it is Carolina. Yeah, uh, I don't even think it's – other than, of course, teams like Tampa and Florida and some others, the Hurricanes, they're just – they're not just constantly winning games, but they're doing it in just a dominant fashion. They're just so much damn fun to watch. I mean, it sucks that they're in the Metro. Like I've, I've admired them for a while now, ever since they really got out of that lawn funk of just being a subpar team, getting away from Jeff Skinner, getting away from Cam Ward, all these others, you know, remember Simon. Yeah. Yes. 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 Alexander. uh, Yes, absolutely. So yeah, the Carolina hurricanes are a team that, that if the Rangers are out of the playoffs, that's a team that I could see a lot of people root for because, <coughs> I mean, they are, aside from the fact that they are the former Whalers, they they don't really have that much to look back on in, in terms of history. Yeah, they won a cup in 2006, but that cup was probably one of the most surprising cups in the last couple of decades. Uh, nobody expected them to win that year. And, and they haven't really been able to build on that success. You know, if you look at, uh, like the first 15 years in the salary cap era, the Hurricanes have like these eight, nine year stretches in between a playoff run where they yep. don't make the playoffs at all. So it's an easy team to root for. You know, they have a lot of players where you go, oh, okay, yeah, Jesper Fast, nice, you know, Auntie Ranta, Brendan Smith, Derek Stepan, uh, Brady Shea, all former Rangers, you know, all very popular still with this fan base. So for Ranger fans, if we are out of the playoffs, then that is a team that that I could see a lot of Ranger fans root for because aside from those former Rangers, there's just so many players on the team that are likable, like Seth oh, Spech, Tavo, Aho, defensively, exactly. Pesci, yeah. uh, Slavin's my favorite. Like the hey, list goes on and on. You, you took their words right out of my mouth. I, I, <laughs> those players I was going to mention, it's just such a fun team to watch. And oh, and Marty Neches, which is so he's so underrated. Love Marty Neches is uh, is a guy that I saw in the Czech Republic uh, yep. before he was before he was draft eligible. Uh, he was one of my favorite players going into the 2017 draft, and I was hoping he'd fall to 21 where we got Heedle. Didn't work out that way, but 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did get attached to some players, you know, having met them in person. And, and, and the Carolina Hurricanes have done a really good job drafting players that that I've met over the years, like Patrick Puistola in, in Finland. And uh, I remember meeting uh, Seth Jarvis in Portland. I was in Portland for a week and went to a Winterhawks game. He's going to be something uh, special. He has uh, really yeah, good goal scoring yeah, ability. Seth Jarvis uh, really, really stands out. Um, but yeah, then there's also the Florida Panthers, you know, with Anton Lundell, who's who's one of my favorite young players in this league, and yeah. Barkov and Huberdo and yeah, Trocheck, Duclair, you know, it, it's it's. You said Trocheck, be... wrong team. Nice idea though, <laughs> Trocheck with oh. Carolina. <laughs> no, uh, who am I thinking of? Um, uh, damn. Anyway, I'm blanking on the name now. Um, okay, but, we'll but, come back uh, to it because Rangers right have on the upcoming schedule. Sam Reinhardt. They traded for Reinhardt. Yes, Reinhardt yeah. and Bennett. I like them both yeah. quite a bit. And then Those Sam Bennett. So, but what makes it easy to root for these teams is that they haven't had success. Yep. You know, it's easy to root for the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers who have a combined for one cup in the last 30 years. You know, but they're, they're entertaining, they're, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, they have such a good balance of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially the Carolina Hurricanes with, you know, that, 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 that storm surge they have going on. You know, if Don Cherry hates it, you you can guarantee that that I'm a fan of it. You know, Don Cherry Don Cherry complains about everything that's that's not traditional. Storm surge, I love it. Um, but yeah, Rangers losing to the Carolina Hurricanes is not the worst thing in the world. You know, it happens. You know, you lose these games to teams that are unfortunately ahead of of the curve of where you want to be. The Carolina Hurricanes finished their rebuild when they drafted Sveshnikov in 2018. Yep. That's when the Rangers entered theirs. So uh, just one or two more years, and, and and we're right there, right up there with them. Um, anyway, after that loss, the Rangers come back to Madison Square Garden to uh, take on the Arizona Coyotes. What an effing game this was. Take it away, Stephen. Uh, well, if people remember the game in Arizona, uh, we all wrong. remember the slow start. Um, it's a bit of a theme. Um, and the same thing happened here, you know, three minutes in Liam O'Brien first goal of the game goes to the Coyotes, uh, assisted by Louis Erickson of all people <laughs> and, and Shane lost his beer. Um, I mean, this, this Coyotes team has players where you go, when did they, when did they get those players? You know, like, like Andrew Ladd and, and Nick Schmaltz and, and they, they, and, they stay what they always do. And that's eating contracts. Yeah. Yeah, Riley Nash. Yeah. I never, never thought. Never they just thought picked him up too. They literally exactly. just picked Riley Nash up. Uh, Galchenyuk, former third overall pick. Um, you know, Anton Strawman. It's just yep. it's it's such a weird collection of players. But you know, Coyotes uh, draw first blood uh, after three minutes. Uh, but Rangers not wasting any time. Forty six seconds later, Jacob Trouba with a seven of the year, assisted by Zabanajan and Kreider. Loving this uh, le- leveling it up. Um, and then Andrew Ladd, um, assisted by Fisher and Nash. And those first two goals in the first period by the Coyotes. Oof. That was some poor defense by, I'm just going to call him out, Patrick Nemeth. You know, that yep. first goal, he was hugging another player instead of making the defensive play. Uh, that second goal, he chases um, he chases Fisher behind the net when Schneider is already committing there. It was just... There's just no communication on that pairing. And it's 
it was it was so bad but you know you go in you go into the first intermission down to one you're like okay we're playing at home it's the coyotes you know we got this and then you come out in the second period and then clayton keller makes it 3-1 the one and respectable I, goal score <laughs> and you're like oh here we go again you know down 3-1 against the damn yotes i, I was jaw i was literally jaw dropped i'm like what what in God's name and am I watching right now? Going down three one against the Leafs at home, you're like, all right, justified. Might be that annoyed, but that's justified. <laughs> that, can, that can happen. Uh, against the Coyotes at home, that's just unacceptable. That's just unacceptable. I'm sorry. Um, but then you know the comeback, uh, short-handed goal by Chris Kreider, his second of his career, and his his also his second in the last five games, uh, assisted by Truba and Zabanajad getting us back to 3-2, and then Julien Gauthier tying it up, assisted by Hunt and Rooney. And this is where things really took off. Panarin uh, potting one on the power play, uh, Kreider getting one at even strength. Well, before you go to the power play, you know how we got there, right? That was really what turned the tide because of Larson just going yeah. after in that stupid play that caused the penalty. Like, that was the really the fire under the Rangers' ass. I was like, okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah. yeah, no, no, Larson cost them the game. Uh, yep. In my opinion, because up, up to that point, it was it was 50-50 in my opinion. The Coyotes could have won that game. They could have fallen out of the fire. But, you know, Panarin scoring on a power play, assisted by Fox and Zibanejad. That was Panarin's 11th goal of the season. Uh, and then Kreider at even strength, getting his second of the game, his 28th of the season. He's tying his career high. And this is where all the alarm bells started to go off. Yes. In my head. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God, he scored shorthanded and he scored at even strength. If he scores on a power play, I wonder I wonder how many times that happened in Rangers history. So grabbed my laptop, started to look it up. Um, and you know, Truba scored, and then we go on the power play with 10 minutes to go. And I kid you not, I'm I'm typing out this tweet in case Kreider scores. You know how Chris Kreider is the 10th player in Rangers history to score a hat-trick where the goals are at even strength on the power play and shorthanded. And I didn't even finish typing and he, and he already scored. That was, I think it was like 10 seconds into the power play. That was a really quick power play goal by Kreider. His 29th new career and it, high. And it had he, and it had he. He's hit a, a career high. It's halfway through the season, Stephen. I know, I know. And... After you do the recap of the final game, I'm going to go over some numbers with you about Chris Kreider because what Chris oh, Kreider is doing this season is, is is historic. You know how we talk about Jeremy Jager's season in 05-06? Yes. You know how we still talk about Adam Graves scoring 52 goals? This is Chris Kreider's Adam Graves year. This I'm is going to stand firm on that. This is Chris Kreider's Adam Graves year, but I'd say it's a better year than Adam Graves in 93-94 because Chris Kreider is doing something that that only one other Ranger has done better in 96 years of Rangers hockey. Wow. But we'll get into that after you recap the final game. But to uh, to go over the numbers for the Coyotes game, you know, Kreider getting his third of the game, his hat trick, assisted by Fox and Panarin, um, you know, uh, the Rangers get, let me see, 27 shots on goal. Um, uh, and the Coyotes got 29. So it was pretty even in terms of shots, you know, not bad. Uh, but Chris Kreider, three goals, one assist for four points. Jacob Truba, two goals, one assist for three. Zibanejad, three assists. Fox, two assists. A Panera, a goal, and an assist. 
the, these are the games where these these guys are racking up the points. And um, and and after you go over the the next recap, uh, we'll go over some of the numbers because we have we have some players on pace to hit sixty points, and uh, and it's an interesting comparison to our last cup window that lasted six years. Anyway, yeah. Yes, uh, I know um, what you're going to say. Yep, hold that stat for sure. Uh, to, our, last, our last game against the LA Kings, uh, which was Pride Night, so take it away. Yes, I will take it away. And, of course, that Coyotes game again. Rangers had two power play goals, the only ones in the game, and out hit Coyotes 24-16, to blocks 19-14, all favoring the Rangers, and giveaways favoring uh, Coyotes, but not a was problem. Was power play for the Rangers? Uh, it was Kreider scored the, one of them and Panera. Who else? Of course it was yeah. Kreider. Yeah, well, you want to know what's hilarious about this game? I before we jump ahead, oh wait, no, into the Canes game. That that's this was a game. So I was I was dabbling in sports betting, and I was going to put down a parlay that had Kreider scoring the first goal of the game, and it was like plus eight hundred, eight or nine hundred. I think it was eight hundred. So if Kreider scored, I would have won like forty five, fifty bucks with just a five dollar one. But instead, I don't know why. I looked at the last game like an idiot, and I saw Mika scored first against the Canes, and then Kreider scored last. And Kreider has scored a lot of later in the game, like in the third period for the Rangers, especially yeah. of recent. So I was like, okay, you know, I want Kreider to score, but I'll pick him for the last goal. And here he is, of course, what does he do so early into this one against the Canes? Scores his 30th of the season. The first goal of the game, I don't mind losing a bet like that. That's not going to phase me whatsoever. 30th assisted by Fox and Panarin. Power play and, goal. Uh, first Ranger since Peter Pruka. First Rangers draft pick, a forward to score 30 goals for us since Peter Pruka in 06. Absolutely crazy. It's it's so bizarre that Kreider hasn't hit 30 yet in his career because he's, he's always gotten that taste of, you know, 25, 28. But yeah. to see him do it at this pace, again, we're, we're going to draw over we're, Kreider in this. We're in, in January. We're in January. It's not even January yet. And Chris Kreider has 30 goals just on another level. But either anyway, we get to the second period then. Blake Lazat gets himself a goal, unfortunately. Didn't love the defense there. Uh, actually, no, it was a good screen uh, that led to the goal. I think Lazat, I think he was um, using Truba really well to get that shot through and got a nice goal off Igor. Uh, and then the second goal right at the end of the period was Alex Ayafalo who's one of the better players for the Canes, gets his 13th of the year on the power play. Just such a bad goal to give up right at the end of the period. Those are the worst goals to give up, especially on the power play like that, special teams-wise, which was coming off of, wasn't that off of a horrendous call on Lafreniere that I'm pretty sure, wasn't it, right at the end of that second period? I'm almost certain that there was a penalty called on Laffy, and it was an absolute joke, and then that led to the follow goal. Um, uh, no, yeah, no, it, the, the, no, this was the Goudreau high sticking. Oh, my mistake. You're right. Yeah. I remember though, that there was a terrible call in Lafreniere as well. The boarding call. Yeah. The boarding call when it was just a sim, it was a normal check to Brown. If yeah. Brown didn't fall, that call wouldn't have happened. That was a joke in itself, but either way, I follow scores at the end to make it two one, which is frustrating. And then we had a third period and thank you. Goodness. Sparkly Goudreau for making up for the penalty that he had earlier in the game. Gets himself a beautiful tip. If you just looked for a second, you thought that was Chris Kreider in front getting the game tying goal. But no, it's Barkley Goudreau with his eighth of the year, assisted by Panarin and Strom, just with you know six minutes left in this one. And then excuse we had me, that's Goudreau. That's that everyone was thinking, excuse me, that's Goudreau. 
Because yeah, it literally. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. I, I thought it was Crides at first too. I'm like, no, Crides isn't on the. Nope. Okay, Goudreau, <laughs> love that. But then we get to the shootout, and what a fun shootout this was. Because mm. as soon as Anjay Kopitar came oh, up, I was. Cool. Can we talk about? the overtime going like the full five minutes without. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll just break it down real quick. You guys watch the game. Obviously, if you're watching this probably or listening, wherever you get your podcast, but the overtime, I think this was unprecedented. So they had it based on the power play because the Rangers had a power play going into OT and it was still, it was five on four still. And there was not a one stoppage. So once the five on four was done, they stayed four and four. They never changed. There was never a blown whistle. I've never seen anything like that. In the history of overtime in the NHL, yeah. I've never seen it where they didn't have at least one stoppage to then switch to three on three. That was really cool. It was just ridi- it was ridiculous, but it happened. And then we get into the shootout, and this was an entertaining one. My heart was pumping a little bit. I was getting a little antsy for sure. Um, you know, in the beginning, no one was able to really get anything going. You know, from Adrian Kempe to Kreider to Arvison to Zibanejad, but then Andre Kopitar comes up, and I thought that the Kane. Kane scored they win it I got myself thrown off but I was like oh Kopitar is scoring like I, I knew for a fact he was going to and he did and then Artemi Panarin just waits it out waits for the five hole gets a beautiful snipe almost in the crease how long he waited for quick who might add had a phenomenal great game Jonathan quick looked like prime quick in this one and had literally a highlight reel save like no tomorrow on Jacob Truba during the game Huge props to Quick. Great game on his part. But then a couple saves later from Anaya Falo and Ryan Strom apiece. Then Quinn and Byfield, who I honestly forgot was even playing because he only played just over seven minutes in this one. I didn't see him much. He gets himself his first shootout goal, I believe, of his NHL career and only his second or third game of the season. And then right after that, Alexi Lafreniere. You all, it was the stage was set for Laffy to go after Byfield. And he scores beautifully. Love that to see that from uh, Alexi to get him five or two. And then the winner ends up being Adam Fox, who had his first shootout attempt since junior. He said Fox with a nice goal there on the backhand that got stuck in the net. And the Rangers mm-hmm. ended up winning this one in a shootout. Big, big win for them. So happy that, that, that they, and this. Yeah. So that shootout attempt by Adam Fox reminded me of Patrick Kane in the 2010 Stanley Cup final. Yes. Yep. Yep. That, that's Adam yeah. Fox but it was the only one at first to realize it, it was in the net. Yeah. I thought it went over at first. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't see it. Yeah. yeah. But another key part of this game, before we get into the stats a little bit more, is the former Ranger and Brennan Lemieux circling Brat back, doing a rewind. You think, okay, Lemieux, I, I honestly had a feeling he was going to score in this game just because Rangers and former Rangers, they go together and cheese and wine, right? But no, this was different. Lemieux being the schmuck that he unfortunately has been, you know, not to the lengths of biting, uh, you know, Lundgren the same way he did a Kachuk, but doing a big, just a complete cross check, you know, boarding call, no tomorrow. There was no need to do that, but of course he did it. Lindgren, thankfully, was fine, got up, and then went to cross check him right away. And then there was a scuffle, and Lemieux got a major from it. So, Brennan Lemieux, welcome back to New York. Okay. Uh, that's about it, though. Uh, did not appreciate yeah. that. Rangers, there was a lot, there was a lot of penalties in this one. Rangers were one for five on the power play. Canes were one for four. Canes outshot the Rangers 36 to 30. Faceoffs just favor the Rangers, actually, 53 to 47. Thank God they actually won. Uh, when you look at penalty minutes, again, favoring the Canes hits. Tied 26 apiece. Blocks favored Rangers 15 to 10. And giveaways. Kings impressively only had one to the Rangers seven. And huge game. Igor made some phenomenal saves in this one. 34 out of 36 saves. And same thing with Quick. This was a great goaltending game by both sides. But thankfully, the Rangers like this one out. So, Stephen, any final remarks on this matchup between the Kings and the Rangers? Yeah, the Kings buckets. Um, 
I know, I know a lot of people don't like them. The you know the chrome helmets. I don't like them. I, I I'm sorry if you like them. I I don't care. I don't. I'll like say them. this though. I'll say this. If there's one arena in the world where those buckets are a good idea, it's Madison Square Garden because every time I don't know, maybe I was the only one who noticed this, but every time there was a close up of a player during the broadcast, you could see the reflection of the iconic ceiling on the helmet. Okay, that's fair. That that's that fair. you would you would be the one person to point that out, <laughs> quite literally. That, that, so I appreciate that's the, the only that thing that made those that made those helmets worth it for me. Yeah, uh, you know, any other arena, you don't notice that stuff. But the iconic Madison Square Garden ceiling, uh, like I said, every time there was a close up, you could see in the reflection of the helmet, you could see that iconics, you know, like almost like a sundial. Yeah, uh, it's so it, unique. It, it's it just was, a MSG. It was, That's why Igor has it on its pads. Which so reminds cool. me, I, I really miss the old MSG intro that they had about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway uh, moving on. Uh, Rangers go three-one. You get the belt back. Damn right, I do. Get used to that, Stephen. Yeah. But let, let, let's let's talk about pauses because oh, I know that losing oh. the belt isn't one of them. Let, let's oh. just embrace the gloriness, you know, the amazingness yeah. that is Chris Kreider. Because looking over these past four games that transpired, Kreider during that span eight points, six goals, two assists. He's on a six-game goal streak. And looking at other players that did so well over the stretch point-wise, Foxy, seven points, two goals, five assists. Mika, one goal, six assists, seven points. Panarin, one goal, six, six, seven points. And Igor, Igor, again, he's one of the first goaltenders in Rangers history in a while. We're talking, I think, since the 70s to have 20 wins in the first, only took 26 games this season for Igor Shosturkin to have 20 wins already this year. He had That's, a really good shot at being only the second Rangers goalie to get 40 wins in a season. It's just insane. Look, I, if you know Igor, if you were following him in the KHL, he was a wins machine. All he did was win. Like, he had little to no losses in his column. So, like, to see him do this isn't all that surprising for basing things off of his KHL numbers. But still, at the AHL level, to still leg out these wins. And knowing that when you look at a win – column normally you won't you don't want to favor it a lot i view it a little bit similar to you know pitchers in major league baseball having wins that doesn't justify anything you know having wins they can only control so much but igor is not just getting wins but he's controlling the fate of those wins for almost every single one of those games like that isn't something where it's completely offensive heavy and he's playing terribly but he's still getting a win you know he leads the league in save percentage right now among starters at 937 has a goals allowed average of only 2.07. Like he's been on another level all season long, but just further appreciation to Igor, the heir apparent to Lundqvist, so, if you will. I'm going to say performance he's, all season long. He's he's a lock for the Vezina, and he's in the conversation for the heart. Absolutely. Yeah. He. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win the heart because you know how hard that is for goaltenders, but if there's any season, as I long think, as he I continues think, this yeah, projection. I think, I think Ovechkin's going to win the heart with yeah, everything. I think uh, so too. Put up, uh, but Chesterkin could be a, a hard finalist, which for a goalie in only his third season would be mightily impressive. Um, I think the last three goalies that won the heart were Carey Price, Jose Theodore, and then Dominic Hasek. The fact that Jose Theodore won is uh, yeah. just his career is so interesting. We won't get on a tangent, but yeah. he's an interesting character. anyway. Um, yeah, Kreider season so far, and and I don't want to I don't want to get too carried away here, but uh, aside from the way they play, because there's still something to be desired at even strength, but the numbers, you know, if you look at the performances in, in terms of production, 
and there, there, there are some shades of 93 94 you know just can season uh fox who's playing a norris caliber season on defense chris Kreider, who is doing his his best to uh, to replicate graves uh and then you have lindgren and truba on defense you have zibanejad and panarin on offense it's just it's such a fun team this season. But looking at Kreider and going into those numbers a little bit further, um, Kreider having 30 goals this season after 43 games. Uh, looked it up. Um, he ties Don Murdoch, Rod Gilbert, and Bill Cook for for second most goals after the team's first 43 uh, games with, with 30. Wow. The only player in Rangers history to have more goals at this stage of the season was Bill Cook in 1926-27. Uh, he had 33 in his first 43 games. But what's even more impressive, because we can talk about goals all we want, but what's even more impressive to me is power play goals. Uh, Chris Kreider leads the league in power play goals with 15. He's basically 50-50 in terms of power play goals and, and, and goals elsewhere. Like 15 goals of him are, are on the power play, two shorthanded, and then 13 at even strength. Uh, his 15 power play goals ranked second all time in Rangers history after 43 games behind only Camille Henry in 57, 58. Wow. That's Camille amazing. Henry, Camille Henry had 16 after 43 games, Vic Hatfield uh, tied with Kreider for 15. And then to, uh, to finish the list with power play goals after 43 games in Rangers history, Marcel Dion with 14 in 87, 88, Mike Gardner with 13 in 91, 92. Um, and then Pierre LaRouche, Marion Gabrick, and Yaramir Jager. Yaramir oh. Jager, who set the franchise record for power play goals in a single season with 25, at this stage of the season only at 12. Wow. Chris Kreider is currently on pace to break the, both the records for goals with 57 and power play goals with 27. So I don't right. know if he's going to keep this up, but we've been talking about him falling off a cliff and, and, and you know. Uh, he hasn't done it. That SOP hasn't done it. It's finally his breakout year. And, you know, couldn't be happier for the guy who, who I'm, I'm going to say, it, you know, cup or not, number 20 is going up in the rafters when Kreider hangs it all up. Yeah, as especially as long as he continues his career with the Rangers. I mean, they out of all the talk that we had initially going into the season about his future – and, you know, if he's going to be part of with that at some point, of course, anything can happen. I don't expect Kreider to keep up his pace, you know, over the no, next but couple of years. But if you go with 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 safe bets in terms of what he will do in the next seven years, there's a really good chance that Kreider finishes top 10 or even top five in, in categories such as games played, goals, points for the Rangers. The goal, the goal scoring is so important, too, because if you yeah. look at how he's scoring his goals – these are not things that will directly pr be prohibited for him as he gets older. You know, he's not he's not going in and constantly sniping it. He's just a deflection machine, first and foremost. He always yeah. has been, but yeah. now he's he's reached an elite level. You know, he's been for a bit, but he's on you know, he's unprecedented right now. And if you look at someone kind of similar in that certain sense, and now you know he's in his late 30s, but he's still gained the job done goal scoring wise because of his net front presence. Someone like Joe Pavelski, you know, a lot of similarities there. So if we're basing things on, you know, progression, the, Pavelski, front, Pavelski has 38 points in 30 games. My point, like, and Pavelski is someone that I did not yeah. think would be able to keep up 
this production when he went to Dallas because normally, unfortunately, we've seen with a lot of vets that go to Dallas. You know, Jason Spetz is a, a good example, especially you know towards the end of his time there. Just wasn't what they once were, and P- Pavelski still gained it done. So, and he's a guy that is known for that net front presence. Kreider has exactly that. So, if we're basing things on how to keep him, you know, longer term, still being able to put up some nice points and put up yeah. a goal scoring. He just needs to keep doing what he's been doing best. Just keep doing that. That is, yeah. and he has he has the size. It's not like he's a smaller statured guy that is getting beat up every single time he tries to go by the crease. No, he 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 has everything that you would want for a guy that should have longevity given his play style. Yeah, and if you look at the Rangers this season, it's just unreal what the Rangers are doing in terms of their like, like top heavy scoring. Um, in the six year uh, cup window, the Rangers went through between 2011 and 2017. Um, where they made it to, to, to two conference finals and a Stanley Cup final. They won a mm-hmm. president's trophy. Uh, in in those, those six seasons, um, they had five players in total hitting 60 points in a single season. It was Gabrick with, with 76, Nash with 69, uh, Richards with nice. 66, Zuccarello 61, and Broussard hitting 60. This season, the Rangers have five players on pace to hit 60 just this season and that's the difference at growing up you know through my first years as a rangers fan especially in the early 2010s that was the biggest thing that frustrated me about them do you need to have of course point getters that are constantly getting you know in the 70 80 90 no but when you look at the teams that are winning every year they normally at least have that one outlier you know that one guy Mm -hmm. that sticks out for the most yeah. part, the Rangers didn't have that. They had many years where it was Broussard and Zuccarello, you know, bouncing around 45, 50 points. Like that was the norm for us while they were still very much in their window of winning now. And seeing how they changed things now and throughout this rebuild is it's to another level offensively. So as long as they continue to build that depth, which I, I do believe that they will over these next couple of years, you know, the bottom six and of course the defense staying rounded down and getting better. Like they're going to have that perfect balance that we see from the top teams in the league that are dominating the NHL right now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's such an interesting way of looking at this team and, and thinking, how what would the Rangers have been able to accomplish if they had one of these players back in 2012 or 2014? You know, yeah. just one. You know, just just get just give me Fox or give me Panarin. Just that's it. I'd probably go with Panarin for the way that team was constructed. I think Panarin would have been the missing link. They need yeah, they needed the they needed the goal scoring. Yeah. Obviously, and, having and, a huge puck moving defenseman is something yeah. the Rangers lacked. They didn't McDonough was like that guy for them while he, you know, wasn't necessarily known for it, but they didn't, they never had a a a guy like Panarin, you know? Yeah. But if I could, like, like I said, if I could pick one player from this team and put it in the, in the 2010s Rangers, uh, Rangers win the cup against the Canes. If they have Panarin, if they have Panarin, they win a cup. Yeah. 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 As Uh, long as Panarin can handle the size. That was the only thing because the Rangers got completely outsized that series. Yeah. But let, let's now look, let's pivot because this is something that I know we'll be answering some more questions on in the comments when we get to the Q&A segment of the live stream or wherever you get your podcast. But Stephen, there's actually been trade rumors that have come out that are significant. Like we're talking from the Elliot Freemans, the Frank Saravellis of the world. And yes, we're still, you know, right around two months away from the angel trade deadline, but there are teams that have already shown interest in players. 
And the Rangers are a team with Kako on the IR right now. He's week to week, unfortunately. Seems like he was dealing with stuff for a while. And then that Canes game kind of took him over the edge, unfortunately, with whatever upper body injury he has. And Heedle's day-to-day at the time of recording this. I don't believe he's playing tonight uh, against um, in the, in tonight's game. I'm not sure. I'll have to double-check. Uh, but no less, the Rangers definitely can use depth. And something that they are looking for, a little surprising, but again, there's no denying how much of a help he would bring, is Jacob Chitrin. He is that main one. I apologize if I'm butchering his name. The spelling just throws me off completely. But I've been a big fan of his for a while now. He's been that big defenseman for Arizona outside of Oliver Ekman Larson, you know, up until he went to Vancouver. Only 23 years of age. He's having a down year offensively, but if you look at the team around him, how can you blame the guy? It's a completely different structure. You know, he's under, he's under a new coaching staff now without talking, but Chitrin, again, 23 years of age, is on a contract for 4.6 mil until uh, the 2024-2025 season has finished. And 30 games played as eight points. He's a minus 31, but again, it's Arizona. I don't give a damn about that plus minus right now. What I look at, though, is past couple years in 56 games played last season, 18 goals, 23 assists, 41 points. Year prior, 12 goals, 14 assists, 26 points in 63 games. And he has proven to be a quite the balanced defenseman. A lot of teams want him. And the Rangers a couple games ago actually made a trade offer for Jacob. Now, it's interesting that we're talking about him right now, however, because the Rangers made an offer, and that offer included Vitaly Krasov. Surprise, surprise. No one should be shocked by that. But Arizona's looking for, you know, quite the ransom in return. They want a lot. And according to Elliot Freeman yesterday, from the reports that I saw, is that the Rangers and one other team as of now are out. Them and the Canes, I believe, are currently out on Jacob Churchill. So, of course, things can change. I assume that the Rangers will circle back, especially assuming that he isn't dealt until closer, if not at the trade deadline. we still got plenty of time. But the Rangers have already made an offer, so they definitely have a good amount of interest. Um, So what's your take on Jacob Churchill? Because he does stick out quite a bit over some other players the Rangers are showing interest in that we'll be getting into here in a second. Yeah, Chikrin, I think, is a player that this team can definitely use. Um, when you look at our defense, on the right side, of course, you have Fox and Truba. On the left side, you have Lindgren, and then uh, not much else. You know, you have a Keandre Miller, who is still unproven, in my opinion, still has a ways to go. And then Patrick Nemeth, who is fine. Don't just, I, just leave it at that. Just I would take I would take Jack Johnson over over Patrick Nemeth at this stage. I, mean, I would I just, too. I just want a defenseman who doesn't push players into our goalies. That's all I'm asking for at this stage. Or just somehow get caught behind the net. Or or that or, or that. I mean, um, but the Rangers need some help on the left side of defense, and there are three holes that the Rangers need to fill. It's center, right wing, and left side of defense. Um, but the problem with the Rangers is the salary cap. Absolutely. The salary cap's going up, maybe one million. Um, Adam Fox has a contract that's kicking in um, for what nine point five million, I think. Yep. Uh, Then you have the Zabanejad contract that's kicking in. Uh, There's talks about the Rangers negotiating an extension with Ryan Strong, which is that that we'll be touching on real soon. That report actually just came out over the past day. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where Chikrin will fit under the cap past this season. I mean, this season's not a problem. I mean, the range of cap space to burn. They but, would they would most certainly have to part with, I'd have to imagine, like a Filipino, 
think he's one of the first that you think of when it comes yeah, to even even if you get rid of Hedl and Nemeth, that'll that'll get you what three million in cap space. Yeah, uh, that you still need to sign your RFAs, you know, Kaka, uh, Blay, um, and then next season you have uh, have RFAs to sign in Lafreniere and Miller, and the year after that, you know, it just it just keeps stacking up, um, and. If the Rangers want to fit Chikrin under the cap, they need to somehow find a way to get rid of players that we may not want to see this team get rid of. And you know who I actually knew- stands out to me? Who? Even though I will say I don't see it happening because of the commitment. And and because of the yeah, actually, no, never mind. It's definitely not happening because he's on a modified no trade clause. Is Barkley Gudra? Yeah, uh, Goudreau is is probably still easier to trade than a guy like Jacob Truba. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think the Rangers want to trade Truba right now, though, either. No, no, but the Rangers also didn't want to trade Carl Hagelin in 2015. Fair, fair. Sometimes you make a trade because you have to, not because you want to. And Uh, that's what stemmed the Pavel Buchnevich trade. So, you know, here we are now. Like, And, you know, it's not going to get easier. Uh, it's only going to get harder now with uh, with with the salary cap not going up as expected. This pandemic is still affecting the league. Um, if the Rangers are serious about acquiring Jacob Chikrin, then then it will come at the expense of another player, um, a player that that we don't want to see leave, like Ryan Lindgren. What if what if he is the casualty? But at that stage, you have to think to yourself. Is whatever you're giving up for Chikrin really worth the upgrade to go from Lindgren to Chikrin? Is that really worth the upgrade? I, I just, I just don't see it happening unless the Rangers can figure out a deal um, where they retain some salary. Yeah, I mean, um, would Arizona be willing? I mean, Arizona is the team to usually do that. Would actually, that's a good point. Would they be willing to go down that like for the next couple, like for the remainder of his contract? Should the Rangers, of course, you know, maybe add one more pick because they're so deprived pick wise and prospect capital wise that they that's something that would be feasible for them. But they want they want a haul. No, they want, you know, as they're going to start really high, then they're going to come down low. We'll see how the Coyotes Coyotes are going to trade Chikrin to the team that gives them the best return. Yep. And that's the right thing to do. I just don't think the Rangers are willing to give up what would be the best return. I also don't think the Rangers are in a spot where they absolutely need to. Like I would I wouldn't mind Jacob Ch- uh, Chitrin at all. I think he'd be yeah. awesome get for the Rangers, but you know, that means that we are kind of closing the door on a Zach yeah. Jones. Yeah. You know, and Niels Lundqvist to a certain Rangers, extent. The trick for the Rangers is to acquire a player before they become that that established, you know, established uh contributing guy yeah uh the way we did with zabanajan in 2016. you know we acquire zabanajan before he becomes that 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 top player i think the rangers missed the opportunity for a guy like lindholm uh of the calgary flames like yes. a year or two ago and he was yeah. part of carolina you know and they yeah. were it's that's yeah. another interesting piece not to get on a tangent but i he liked him a lot with carolina time. they parted with him and it still worked out for both sides in the end uh, that was the Adam Fox trade, the first Adam Fox trade. Yes, yes, yeah. that's right, because that um, included um, that was Dougie Hamilton, right? And Noah Hannafin. Yep, yep. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you look at if you look at players like Rope Hints, uh, he'd be perfect for the Rangers, but it's too late. And I think we're already too late with Jacob Chikrin. What you want to do is acquire the player who is going to be next year's Jacob Chikrin. But in that case, I mean, if you're going for that kind of player, I would argue we already have next year's Chikrin in the system. Yeah, and that's a big thing. The, that's what I mean. If the Rangers didn't have the defensive capital that they have yeah. in their system right now, I think it's a completely different discussion. I think that this is a lot more warranted to go all in. Maybe you overspend a little bit, but you know you're getting not just a really good, young, promising defenseman that can be on this team for a while and return, but also knowing I, that you don't have to worry nearly as much about that left side for the years to come. No, but but no, the, the left side is 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 not really a worry. More so that it's it takes time. We just need to be patient with it. You know, we yeah. have Robertson, we have Jones. Uh, Lundqvist could move to the left side if we have to. Um, we just need to hope that Miller develops. And that on the third pairing, we give we give Robertson or Jones a shot, and and then you're looking at a whole different scenario. But look, the guy to for me that makes the most sense is off season. If you really want to go after a guy that's going to make a, a huge impact on the Rangers, it's Joe Pavelski. You know the Dallas Stars are out of the playoffs. Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have a terrible season. So you're yeah. in favor of getting Joe, just not obviously via trade, but when he's a free agent. I, I can yeah, understand. No, I wouldn't mind trading for him if the intention is to extend him. Really? And because I have I have my own little concerns with Pavelski. Not that he hasn't been, you know, rock solid for so long, but really it's just his age. My my yeah, concern and, is when is he gonna talking, fall off that cliff? I'm not talking about extending him for five, six million. Oh, I know. When you look at Joe Thornton a couple of years ago, he 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 slowly went down in terms of of cap hit. You know, he went from I think seven million to five million to two million to seven hundred k. If you can get Pavelski at the deadline and and add that 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 veteran presence on top of what we already have, and then in the off season convince him to sign an extension with, with a favorable cap hit that we can fit underneath the cap. It could, it could benefit both sides here because Pavelski is 38. He's chasing a cup. Um, the Rangers are are in dire need of help down the middle. You know, um, it, it could be a fit. I, I would rather go after Pavelski than go after a guy like Phil Kessel. The, Agreed. I agree on that. You, if you look at a guy like Chikrin, the trade only makes sense if, if, if the Coyotes retain 50%. Because otherwise, it's, it's just not going to Unless work. the Rangers just somehow get very creative that we aren't, you know, trying to come up with our, in our minds right now that we just can't seem to figure out. You know, anything's yeah. possible. But, you know, he's the one where the Rangers have given an offer to. And the other two players that we'll be discussing here for just a little bit are the ones that the Rangers have reportedly shown interest in. And one of them is very conflicting because it's someone that we talked about already, that being in Mr. JT Miller, the former Ranger. And... From what reports have indicated that the Rangers have been one of the more aggressive teams in on Miller, along with three other clubs to be exact. And I've also seen some conflicting reports from not as official, but people that I do trust on uh, on social media that do have sources that have been accurate a lot, saying that 
they don't view Miller as likely as other clubs because they feel that there are clubs that are just pushing the uh, kicking the tires a lot more than the Rangers. But what we know, at least officially at this point, is that the Rangers are one of multiple teams in on JT Miller and that they apparently have a not just a first level, but a second level of interest on bringing him back to New York. So I know wow. your stance on Miller. He's someone where my biggest issue with going after someone like him is the fact of you're going to bring him in. He's going to come on the win and you look at his cap. It, okay, why the hell did we get rid of Pavel Buchnevich then? Can someone lie to me why we did that? Because that that's my that's my issue. It's not JT JT Miller isn't my issue. It's why we've gotten to the point of wanting a JT Miller. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's very contradictive. Yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't add up to me. Yes, I know he has a versatility. He can play both the wing and the center position, and maybe that is the X factor. Maybe that is something that Chris Drury prioritizes most about him. If so, then okay, I can understand that at least a little bit more. But still, when you look at his cap hit, he is five point two five mil. Uh, for the, of course, this season and next season, and then he's a free agent. Um, so shorter term makes sense. Um, Buchnevich isn't on a crazy long-term contract though right now either. So I, I don't know. I, I've, Miller would be a fantastic get, you know, production-wise. I would love him back in New York. I think he would do great things. But from what you would have to give up to what you know the Rangers did with losing Buch, I just. I don't, it's just really head scratching to me. The, um, the Buchnevich trade is a loss. You know, yes. um, sometimes you make a bad deal, and you cut your losses. It, it is what it is. You know, it's been it's been six months. Um, we're over it. It's fine. But JT Miller, the reason I'm not a huge fan of acquiring him is because players don't tend to do well when they go back to former teams. Um, and I don't know if it's a mental aspect or if it's something else, but look at, look, aside from Peter Nedved and Dominic Moore, do we have any successful stories of players coming back? Messier was terrible with second stint. Kovalev, his, his second, and, and I think he even had a third stint with the Rangers. It's, it's just, it, it doesn't work out. You know, players don't come back to an old environment and and perform the way they are expected to perform because you are coming back to an environment where you are having issues in, in JT Miller's case are you going to be uh like resilient enough to not fall back into that old pattern that's my biggest concern and and rightfully so. I think that's a fair concern. My my bigger concern with him, you if, know, is everything. Player, if we're talking about the player, JT Miller, yeah, any day. Yeah, I mean, I'll look, play. he's a point per game again this year. 40 points, 40 yeah. games, 12 goals, 20 assists. He's yeah. hit career highs, you know, since he landed in Vancouver. But what we know and that we referenced a lot in last episode was how the change of scenery changed him so much, like how mentally mm-hmm. – he went through yeah. a bit and finally found the willingness to be excited about playing hockey again, you know, yeah. and I know he's grown. I know he's developed. I know he's not what he used to be, but to go back where he started, where he wasn't mentally, you know, in a comfortable place where he is mm-hmm. now, that's just, again, that's just a little bit of a question mark as to what we could expect from yeah. him. You know, and only honestly, time will tell. I think, and maybe, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but I think the destination for Miller will be Pittsburgh. I hate that you say that. <laughs> I really well, hate that you say that because of, it think, makes a lot of sense. It. Think about it. He is from Ohio. Uh, I know. 
I'm like, well aware. <laughs> this sucks. He, I hate that you said grew, that. <laughs> he grew up literally like, like an hour away from Pittsburgh. Yeah, he was a Pittsburgh um, fan for everything. The Vancouver Canucks fan worked in the Pittsburgh organization for the last 15 years. <laughs> um, it just, it's, it's, it's too convenient for that trade to not happen. Um, Brainers have, have far and away the better assets to cop up though than Pittsburgh though. Yeah, but, and, and this is, this is what I, what I was mentioning earlier with Chikrin. Having the assets is one thing, but are you willing to part with those assets? We saw it in the Jack Eichel rumors, you know, all this talk about this, this is what, this is what the Sabres want, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And, and Drury, you have, you have the assets to go after a guy like Eichel, but do you want to give up those assets? That's yeah. a different question. And the same thing is true for JT Miller now. And the same thing is true for Jacob Chikrin and, and whatever other player will be linked to the Rangers in the coming weeks. The question is not, do we have the assets? The question is, does Drury want to give up the assets? And I think that he should be as strategic as possible. I don't think that he should go, you know, all in the same way that if this was just a couple of years ago, you know, pre-Gordon um, yeah. that we would normally see. Uh, Penguins are that desperate. Penguins are usually that desperate team. They Somehow, some way, they're still defying the odds this year. They they're they just are going to keep doing it until – Crosby and Malkin are gone. They, in season, it, it doesn't also, matter it who's on that makes, roster. It also makes more sense for the Penguins to do it. You know, you already have three cups in the last what twelve years. Uh, yeah. You want you, know, you made it to the Cup final in 08. You won it in 09, and they had back to back cups in in sixteen and seventeen. You are at the tail end of the careers of two generational players that you lucked into in the draft, Malkin and Crosby. It's, it's much easier to sell to fans. We're going all in. We're going to try and squeeze another cup out of this core when you already have those cups to back it up. The Rangers have not won a cup since 94. Everyone knows this. The Rangers don't really have that, that recent success where you can go, listen, if this doesn't work out, at least we tried. If the Rangers go all in, and it backfires, they're screwed. If the Rangers go all in and they trade away key young players, they're screwed because those are the players you're going to need in two, three years. If you want to be a contender for a decade, you need to hang on to those young assets. The Boston Bruins were, were a contender for a decade. They made it to three Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, they only won one of them, but they were a contender every year from 2010 to 2020 every year they were a contender every year they were in the mix and the reason they were in the mix is because they won a cup early and they could they could justify trading away picks and prospects because they wanted to go for another one if it backfires hey we got a cup a couple of years ago so it's not the worst thing in the world Drury needs to be careful to not go all in and end up with nothing because if this if this generation of ranger players ends up without a cup then it's just another one in a long line of disappointments for this team we just watched henrik lundqvist play in the nhl for 15 years he went to the cup final once and he never got his hands on a cup you know 
on Friday, tomorrow night, the Rangers are going to retire his number. And it'll always sting that we never were able to get him a cup. Now yep. we have Adam Fox, Igor Shestjorkin, Artemi Panarin. Panarin never won a cup. He joined the Blackhawks after their third cup. Yep. You know, you have Kreider, who was, who, who's been here since we drafted him in 2009. He's been here since 2012. Mika Zibanejad. We have this amazing core. You could include Jacob Truba in this. We have this amazing core of players. If you're going all in and you and you come up short, then you're done, because your cup window is is so narrow. You're gonna have one, maybe two postseasons to go for it. I I rather be a contender for a decade than be a contender for two years. I know, and we and you've you've said this plenty already, and so have I. We're in agreement on that one. So, in a nutshell, we just want to make sure that, of course, if a trade does happen, that it doesn't it it just makes sense more than anything. I just don't want the Rangers to continuously give up the farm like they did last time that they had their quote unquote cup window right during the 2010s. I don't want them giving up first round picks every year. I don't want them giving up you know some key prospects just for the sake of going after a grizzled vet, especially if they're say going to be a rental. Like that's something yeah. I'm personally not on board with, but I you you definitely right, can, can justify. You, can you hold on someone's at the door? Uh, oh yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, no, we'll keep going. No worries. Um yeah, but in a nutshell, there's so many people that the Rangers have parted with or picks wise at them became good players that Again, looking back, it just wasn't justified enough. So they need to make sure that they're in a spot right now, not just for this season, but for the season going forward, that they just, they got to be smart. Uh, Chris Drury, he's made some good moves and he's made some, you know, head scratching moves. Of course, that Buchnevich one sticks out like a sore thumb as by far the most head scratching. He just needs to make sure he doesn't put himself in a position like that again, where it's a, a trade that lopsided, even given the reasoning. I understand why in a part with Buch get based on you can't handle his future cap hit, but you know, there was no justifying that, you know, the value that you got in return. And when you look at the Rangers right now and what their team is constructed at going into the, the playoffs, they're a team right now that yes, they're a top team in the league, but it's also not a team that I want to give up, you know, every single thing, no to man asset wise to acquire a player that maybe isn't even going to be here long-term or that you still have to figure out how is he going to fit under the cap maybe after a year or so. So, there's just there's a lot of ups and downs with how the Rangers go about things. And one player that I do want to mention to wrap things up on the trade rumor front before we get a questions uh, that will be answering questions in the live stream here is Arturi Lekkanen. Um, Steven, I'm not sure if you saw the report, but over the past day, the Rangers have shown interest in Jeff Gordon's. Yes, Jeff Gordon. Uh, yeah, running the show for yeah. the Habs, Arturi Lekkanen. And this is a forward that I'm on board with because obviously you're not giving up an arm and a leg for what I am concerned is just doing anything with Jeff Gordon. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Even something small I'm going to be nervous about. And um, thankfully, of course, him and Chris Drury have such a great relationship. So I know that they understand each other very well on how to make deals happen. Um, but Lekkanen is someone that the Rangers need depth wing-wise. If you can get me a Lekkanen and if he can be basically our Dryden Hunt, sign me up. You know, he has a cap hit of 2.3 mil. Then he is an RFA after the season. You can figure out what you want to do with him. 26 yeah. years of age, 15 points in 38 games. Um, you know, he's had some better years uh, than more recently. Uh, his career high, 31 points in 2018-2019. Seemed like a guy that when he came out of the gate had 18 goals, 10 assists, 28 points. Seemed like that he would have hit a higher point than what he has this. Um, a little bit reminding me of Alex Galchenyuk, not to the same point-wise or 
play-wise, but just guys where you thought that they would have been a little bit more consistent than what they have from what we saw early on in their careers, but still someone that I think would make oodles amount of sense for the Rangers in their yeah. bottom six. They could definitely use a depth winner, a young one that is not going to break the bank, and he definitely checks off that box. Yeah, I think, first of all, I think Lekkonen's better than Hunt. I mean, it, Yeah, I agree. If we're acquiring Arturi Lekkonen, I, I need him to be better than Dryden Hunt. There's yeah. nothing against Dryden Hunt, but Hunt is is basically uh, another Colin Blackwell, you know, bottom bottom six player who is pushed into the top six out of necessity. The Rangers need someone. Well, Lekkonen for the bottom six is great. They still need someone better for that top six role with Kako on the right on the right wing. But if you're going after a guy at the deadline, Lekkonen is the type of guy that makes sense. Like you said, it's it's not the player that you give up a lot of assets for. It's the depth acquisition. Yeah, I could see that happening. Lekkonen and Kako uh, practice together in the offseason, so there's a connection there. Oh, that, I did not know that. You know, some makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, so. that that's really all there is to know on the rumor front right now. Again, we'll be answering questions here in a second. There's one other player that I saw thrown out there. I don't know exactly where reporter was from. I think it's for Ryan Carpenter, who, of course, had some good years during his time as a depth forward under Gerard Gallant. Uh, so there is that connection as well, just another depth guy. Uh, Rangers going to be connected to a lot of people, but it was fun to actually get something of substance now, and we'll see how much this either progresses or regresses by time that we talk again uh, a week from now. But uh, second to last thing that we get into before the Q&A here is uh, Strom, Ryan Strom. Yes, extension talks have begun with Ryan Strom. I don't really think there's much more to harp on regarding this. You and I have been beyond advocating for Ryan Strom. Not surprised in the slightest. No, no and, and it shouldn't be surprising. I'm happy that's starting now. You know, if they can get this dialogue halfway through the season – it's always better than having no discussions until, you know, he, he's going to hit the market. So I like this. Yeah. If the Rangers can get something done, that makes sense for both sides without, of course, really breaking the bank for the Rangers going forward, then by all means, sign me up. I, I want Ryan Strom on this team at this point. I think that's been established. Yeah. And um, it's also about Panarin. You know, you want to keep your star player happy. Panarin plays better when he's with Strom. Yeah. It's that simple. Same way how I felt when Panarin was on the right wing the other night. Uh, I did not like that with Kreider and Zibanejad. I looked at that. And I know you liked the lineup. I know you said that you were impressed by it. But I knew, one, this wasn't going to last long. And sure yeah. enough, when the Rangers finally got in a groove, that was with Panarin back on the second line with Strom. If you want to get the most out of, out of your team in a game, in a single game, you know, you want to come back from a deficit, yeah, by all means go all in with your players and, and stack your players on the top line. I get it. I don't even think yeah. that works though. The right, it didn't prove it works. No, no, if, if, if you have, listen, if you have five minutes to go, you're down to one. Yeah. Just put Panarin out there with Sabanajan and Kreider, but it doesn't work for a whole game. Yeah. And Galand understands that luckily. Uh, but you know, Panarin's happy that uh, with Strom, uh, Strom is happy with Panarin. Just keep those two together, man. It's it's not that complicated, and and this is an extension that I that I am not surprised by at all, um, because if you don't sign Strong to an extension, what are you gonna do? And don't say Hurdle because the Rangers don't even know if Hurdle wants to come here. Yeah, I think they're gonna work. I think they're gonna work with Ryan Strong first and foremost, and if for whatever reason they have a falling out, 
that's of course where you go for pivots, you know, guys that can still make sense in a similar role. But yeah. until we get to that point, which I honestly don't think we will, Ryan Strom's our guy. That's my two C. My my only requirement or or preference for this contract is that it's a four year deal. I want Strom's contract to expire the same offseason as Panarin's. I'm sorry, repeat that. My only requirement for the Strom extension is that it's a four-year deal because I want Strom to be UFA the same summer as Panarin. I want those contracts synced up. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That's no, all. I, I, again, I, I don't I don't blame you. I think that's a, a great they, point, obviously. If they, if they go five or six years to drive down the, the cap hit, I can live with it. Yep. No, me too, for sure. But with that being said, let's get into our Q&A now that we'll be doing for the next five to 10 minutes. We'll be answering a couple of questions for you guys, and then we'll be getting into the upcoming schedule. Again, if you're watching live on YouTube, thank you guys so much for being here. Make sure to smash that like and subscribe button uh, for weekly Rangers pods here on Rangers Review and wherever you get your podcast, Leave a nice review if you guys somehow, some way like us. Always appreciate it. But I do see a $5 donation here. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see. Chef Ra? Chefra54. Thank you so much for the $5 donation. Really do appreciate that. Like I said, we are now open, uh, going into a Q&A for a couple questions that we'll be answering for you guys before we get into the upcoming schedule. And of course, upcoming schedules highlighted by one game far more than anything else that I just cannot wait for. I know a lot of you guys are going to be in attendance for that. Oh, that yeah. be, yes, oh. that. The, the obvious one. <laughs> the first ever game in New York by the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, of course. So, what else will we be talking about? I'm glad that it didn't take you that long to figure out. Um, Let's see. I did see a comment earlier that I do want to address. Uh, Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, There was one comment, I think it was about Chitrin, that saying if the Rangers land Chitrin, does that mean that, uh, you know, Strom's a goner? And that's a fair question. And it you is know, a fair question. It is a fair question. I still think they can make it work in different ways. Um, but regardless of what's gonna happen, Hedel and Nemeth are gone in the offseason. Yeah. This team, this team cannot afford to have players on the books for 2.5 million when they get outplayed by by kids on an entry level deal. It's fair. Let's see. A um, couple questions here. How much do you think Kako and Key get in their extension? That's that's a good question. I mean, it's really hard for me personally to evaluate what I think that they're going to make AAV-wise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over how long. That's another thing, right? Like, I think that both of them are going to get mid-level extensions. I don't think either of them is going to be crazy long-term. Miller might be a little bit more long-term just because teams love locking up defensemen. Um, but Kako, I don't know. I, I could see Kako signing really a three-year deal, a two-three-year deal. Yeah. I think I think Kako could go on something like that of a shorter term, um, so that way you know he hopefully has broken out by then statistically, where uh, you know he's going to be looking for an, a nice pretty penny uh, once that deal's done. And if it's three years from now, you know he'll still be like what 23, 24 tops. So I, I yeah. think that. That's what my guess is. Yeah, for Kako, I'd say three years, three million a year. Yeah. Um, for a short for a bridge deal. 
Um, and then, and then in 2020, what will that be? 2025, geez, talking about 2025 here. Um, then in 2025, you talk about, you know, signing it up long-term because by then you will have all your buyouts of the books. Uh, you might've been able to move on from a big contract in Kreider or Truba. I mean, three years is a long time, you know, it's 2022 now look back at 2019, like January, 2019. Uh, look at how much changed over the last three years. You know, a lot of things are going to change in the next three years, even though we are contenders. Look at the Blackhawks in, in, in 2010 and 2013. You know, those two cup teams, there's a lot of differences there. Um, Miller, I don't know. I If the Rangers are serious about Chikorin, I don't see Miller being part of this, being part of this team anymore. I, it makes too much sense to include him in the trade. If they go after Chikrin. Yeah. Because you'd upgrade your 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 second pair left left defenseman. Um and yeah, I mean sometimes you just have to capitalize on the value. Um, is there a risk? Of course. You know, there's a risk if Keandre Miller hits a ceiling elsewhere and wins a Norris. Um there's also a risk that he never hits a ceiling and he tops out as Brady Shea. And again, I think that's something that the Rangers are going to wait out yeah. more than they will. Maybe, maybe. Dealing with um, early. I will be surprised if Keandre Miller is not a New York Ranger for, the, for a while. Yeah, yeah. We, if this team wins a cup in 2024, which is always when I, when I projected us to be contenders, if this team goes for a cup in 2024, there will be players that are no longer on this team that we are attached to right now. It's just the way it is, the way of the game. This is not the seventies and eighties anymore. Yep. No, you're, you're not wrong. Again, we're going to, we're going to see what happens, but uh, especially regarding Keandre, I do think that he'll be here for a bit, but getting on to a couple more things. Court Python, what's up says Colin Blackwell's return. I will cry. Not happening, <laughs> but oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about the Seattle Sunday. game. Sunday. Yeah, yes, yes. The most yeah, we're talking about, game. We're talking about the biggest game of the year. Colin of course. Blackwell's How could I forget? Shame on me. Shame on me. Yeah. I should just walk away right now while I still can. Uh, Master, let's see. How long will it take for the Rangers to give Schneider's AHL partner and Zach Jones back? Oh, I can answer that one. I can answer that one. It's going yeah. to be uh, three hours and 39 minutes. <laughs> yeah, because, because we saw. Go ahead. Zach Jones was called up from the taxi squad and the Rangers are playing at 7 p.m. against the Blue Jackets. We might see a Jones Schneider pairing tonight. That would actually be pretty. I mean, how can you? Why not at this point? I, I mean, how much has Gallant need to see with Nemeth? You know, like it. Let's be honest here. I, I say this is a game where you do toy with Jones too against a below 500 team versus tomorrow against Minnesota, which have been a powerhouse this season, directly in part because of, you know, Kirill Kaprizov and our good friend Matt Zuccarell. Love you, love you, Zuc. We'll always love you, Zuc. But, you know, not to get on a tangent here. Also, since the Rangers are looking at Chitron, okay, we already talked about that Miller part. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we'll we already addressed it. Um, let's see. Couple more questions. I expected we'll some questions it. about Henry Lundqvist's Lund night, but I don't think there's really much questions. I think we're all going to feel the same way. Like, you um, know, I, I don't think it's as question as it is, you know, just giving a statement. Like, oh my goodness, like I'm going to be yeah. missed. Like, I, I unfortunately can't be in attendance. You know, those tickets were would have cost me an arm and a leg, but I, I'm making a whole day out of it tomorrow. Like, 100%. I'm going to yeah. wear Hank stuff all day tomorrow. 
going to be glued to my TV. I I'm did. Ready. I did actually uh, put up some some jerseys. They're not that, Lundqvist jerseys, but uh, moments of Lundqvist's career that are memorable. The, um, the is that the Gabrick All Star jersey? Yeah. So centerized practice jersey from his uh, rookie season. Um, Gabrick All Star jersey when he scored on Lundqvist and had the uh, AK forty seven Selly. Remember that? Yeah. I at the fact I'm so I find it so funny that you brought that Gabrick All Star jersey. I love those are my favorite All Star jerseys. Might I add it? That year was yeah. like perfect in my opinion. Oh yeah. yeah. But it's just so funny how you pick the man that was essentially the nemesis for Hank in that game to put on the wall. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love it. So it, was, is, it was it was fun. Like, there wasn't anything bad about it. It was just Catherine. Fun. Catherine, my fiance, bought the Henrik Lundqvist All Star jersey from that year, so it seemed fitting. For me to then go with a Gabrick one. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, that's yeah. fair. I don't I don't, then the I don't third like one. The third one is actually uh, a um a practice uh worn jersey from Eric Christensen from the Winter Classic. So uh Winter Classic 2012. And yes, I know um, that Eric Christensen Christensen's brother is from no, no. Oh, cousin. cousin, cousin. I, I wasn't gonna mention it. I cousin. Cousin is from but Star Wars. Yes, I'm aware. May the force be with you. I wasn't going to mention it, but you did. Anyway, I, I had um, to mention it because I knew you would at some point. All right. No, no, no. I wasn't oh, going to. Okay. I was going to talk about the 2012 Winter Classic. Okay, fair enough. In Philly. Did you go in 2012? I didn't. I didn't go, but I, I, I had friends that went. I was yeah. I was literally 12 at the time. It was so awesome okay. to watch at home. The Yagi um, salute by Rupper and saved oh. by Ambriere. It was Ambriere, right? Yeah, uh, Danny Briere on yeah. the penalty shot. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, Electric game. My favorite winter classic. I have the McDonough jersey from that game. Um, it's McDonough. Uh, McDonough caused the penalty shot because he covered the puck in the crease with his glove. Oh, that's true. Yep, yep. Yeah. I'm glad he brought that up. Um, yeah. Sweet memory. Yeah, Lundqvist retirement night. He is the 11th Ranger to get his number retired. Um, only... Only four of those eleven have won a cup with the Rangers. So really, it goes to show. Yeah. So Leach, Richter, Graves, and Messier won a cup with the Rangers, and then the other seven: uh, Jacquemin, Howell, Gilbert, uh, Rattel, Hatfield. Um, I'm missing one. Uh, Lundqvist and Bathgate. Yeah. So, seven will be up in the rafters together tomorrow night um, without winning a cup in New York. And I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, it's weird how it, it's almost harder to get your number retired by a team than to get into the Hall of Fame. That's that's a great point, and that's why it's going to be not just an emotional night. It's going to be a historic night. I, I yeah. can't wait. I know that you can't either. Everyone, this is especially and, for especially for people like me, and yeah. not and you too, but for people where like their first years of Rangers fandom were like during the young startup of Hank. Like it, that was like an entire that was an entire like life of ours. You know that yeah. unfortunately has ended, but you know now we get to relive it again. I know he's going to have right around a uh, hundred upwards of a hundred people uh, from Sweden and just everyone connected. A lot of former players, of course, uh, teammates. Yeah. And just knowing that he's going up against Zook is the per like it couldn't have that couldn't have been better in my mind. I love that so much with 
Yeah, probably yeah, closest only, friend that he's made through hockey. The only other date that I that I expected it to be, if it wasn't tonight, was going to be March second against the Blues, because it's his birthday. But uh, this night makes sense. Um, his, I think his brother's going to be in attendance as well. Um, awesome. So um, yeah. yeah, Joel, we'll get the twin. Got to make sure that people don't think it's Hank walking around. <laughs> nah, nah. Uh, Hank, Hank is a better point producer in the NHL than Joel, anyway. Yes, he is. And speaking of Hank, great question here from Michael. Do you guys think Henrik will eventually become a goalies coach for the Rangers down the line with our already great goaltending coach as a team? Loving the podcast. Thank you so much for the kind words, Michael. I appreciate that. I know you're saying no, Stephen. I'm going to explain why before you before you answer this question. Okay. If I would have told you 10 years ago that Steve Veliquette would be an analyst on MSG, would you have believed me? I don't know. Probably not. If someone would have told you 30 years ago that Joe Micheletti would be an announcer at MSG, would you have believed me? Probably not. Mm-mm. The thing is, we all we often try to idolize the players we grew up with and try to picture them in these roles where you know we can keep an eye on them, where they are still part of our lives. And I did it too, you know, as a kid. My favorite player in football, in the soccer growing up, was Jari Liedmanen from Finland. And if there's any Finnish listeners here, they'll know who I'm talking about. I always wanted this guy to become part of the coaching staff in Amsterdam at Ajax. I always wanted to because, to me, that would keep the memory alive. That would keep the legacy going. And I think we see a similar thing here with Henrik Lundqvist. Fans want this to happen because then he's part of the team still. And then when we win a cup, he can still get his name on the cup and his legacy can continue. But Wayne Gretzky never went in. He went into coaching, but he never coached in Edmonton. Uh, Mark Messier never went into coaching. The number of people, like the number of star players that go into an, a, an, an office role with their team and are successful are, are so scarce. You know, it's so rare for that to happen. I truly believe that if Hank is going to be, you know, be in the Rangers organization, as much as I think he would be perfect as, you know, of course, goalie coach, you know, to be the next man up when uh, Ben Waller is done. I do think that something like really front office makes more sense for Hank. I think if it's going to be anything, I think it's yeah. going to be something higher up. Yeah. And if we're looking at the anomalies, at least with an organization, with their star players, you know, could Hank find himself getting to a CBY point? It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but that is one of those anomalies where, you know, Stevie Y, of course, running the show for Detroit now. Now they got Nicholas Lidstrom in that front office too, which is insane. But that that doesn't happen very often to your point. Being a being being a scout or you know, that that's different from from what we're talking about here with the goalie coach. Um a good player doesn't automatically make a good coach. And Playing and coaching are so vastly different. This is why in in companies, in like normal day-to-day jobs, um, the best person on a team is not always the best candidate to manage to lead that team because they're two different jobs. Um, I would love to see Henrik Lundqvist be a goalie coach on the Rangers. I just don't think he's cut out for it. Maybe I'm wrong. I just think where he is now in the studio with um, 
with John Gianone and Steve Veliket, you know, on occasion, or be in the in the ESPN studio with Kevin Weeks. That's where he shines. You know, that's where he can where he can really do what he loves. He loves to talk about hockey. I don't think Henrik Lundqvist is the type of guy that's going into coaching. The same way Brian Leach didn't go into coaching and Mark Messier didn't go into coaching and Adam Graves didn't go into coaching and even Mike Richter. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's really hard to predict which players end up in a coaching role or even a scouting role. I don't think any Ranger would have expected Jet Orkmeyer and Tanner Glass to be to be director of play of uh, of player development for the Rangers, but here we are. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And again, uh, we all would love Hank, you know, staying the Rangers organization forever. We'll see what the future holds. But outside of him potentially being the front office, he just has you know he's always been he's always had that beautiful face. He does seem like the type to stay potentially on TV as well, continuously mm. being an a analyst, not just for MSG also for TNT for a while. I think that, I think that honestly might be his, uh, his strongest suit to stay, you know, ingrained with the Rangers for a bit is to, you know, be doing analyst stuff on the TV. He'd be, he'd be perfect to participate in dancing with the stars or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I almost feel like he's to a higher status than that at this point that maybe he won't even consider it. Like he's, maybe, that, maybe, he's so right. top tier. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's right. But yeah, if he does consider it, yeah. Hank, he doesn't even need to dance. He can just stand there, and you're going to get yeah. a 10 out of 10. <laughs> but look, uh, to wrap things up now, folks, uh, before we get out of here, let's take a quick look at the upcoming schedule and share Ooh. our predictions, Stephen and I, four games for the Rangers coming up before we discuss again probably a week or so from now, probably next Wednesday or Thursday. And those games consist of tonight being against the Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus. Then tomorrow, of course, the big Hank game against the Minnesota Wild. They're playing some really good hockey this year. And then we have next week, uh, you know, towards the end of the week, going into next week, the Seattle Kraken make their first debut in MSG against the Rangers first time. That's going to be fun to watch. And then the final game before we talk again a week from now or so is against the Florida Panthers back in MSG. Panthers, unfortunately, um, have had the best of the Rangers so far this season. I think we played Florida at least once already. Um, let's see if the Rangers can get um, something rolling against the Panthers. But big four games coming up. Some teams are definitely sticking out more than others. Um, so I'm going to go first with my predictions because I have the belt currently, and I'm going to go with the exact same prediction I had last week. I'm going to go 3-1 and one again. Uh, but for goals, I'm going to stay slightly more on the conservative side of 14. Uh, that's just one less than I had uh, than last week. But I'm going to go 3-1. and one. I think that this is something that, of course, the Rangers can lose more than one game, but I'm going to stick with, uh, you know, what worked already. And this schedule is a little similar than uh, the last four games. Last four games, two teams that are, of course, on the Rangers level uh, record-wise and two teams that, you know, aren't, or at least one of them. Canes have a surprisingly good record this year. Um, but, yeah, that, that that's my pick. Three and one, and the Rangers score 14 goals um, at most. Uh, so obviously I'm going to take the over, so I'm going to go with 15 goals. Yep. Um, I'm going to do something I haven't done this, done yet this season. What's that? I'm going to go for a sweep for now. Oh, okay. I like that. Fair, yeah. fair. And I know it's risky because the Rangers absolutely suck. 
when they have special event games. I, I'm, you have no idea how worried I am about about the performance the Raiders are going to put up. You have no idea. I just, I just pray that's a close game, regardless, whatever it is. They retire a number, you know. They have like a 25th anniversary game, or they honor some someone from the past. Those SOBs better give it all it, for Hank. It, like seriously, it, it they, they have like no choice. It feels like it's always the guaranteed loss, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. Four and zero. Four and zero. Look, if you get the belt back after predicting four and zero, I will be more than happy to give it to you. That's that's yeah. a good reason to win. That's a good reason to win. But so that, one thing left to go. One thing left to go. Yes, it is episode forty-six, Stephen, and this is the episode where I don't have a effing clue what forty-six Ranger history is at all. There's one player that stands out of me. But I think he was actually 45, and he's not even on the Rangers, so you can't even say it. Lori Payunemi. That's the only player that came to my mind. Oh, Payunemi uh, plays with number 48. Did he? Was he 46 at all for the Rangers? Like just for no. like? No, no? In, okay. in prospect camp he was 49. Oh, that's why. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah I anyway. don't. I, I don't have a damn clue. So enlighten me. Only three players have wore oh. number 46 for the Rangers in official games. Um, the last one was Rob O'Gara. Oh my God! Yeah, I wouldn't remember that. Who, the, the key Rangers piece got... of the Nash trade. Don't get it twisted. Um, was it the Nash trade or was it the Holden trade? I think no, was that was Holden. that was. I'm pretty sure that was. I'm pretty sure that was the Nash. Wait, no, I think it was the Holden trade. He's from Boston. Let me let me look this up before I thought it was I thought it was O'Gara. What was it? O'Gara. I thought it was O'Gara Bleski Lindgren in the first, or was O'Gara part of Holden? Maybe you you were right. Uh Nick Holden. Nick Holden. All right. Rob O'Gara and a third round pick. Okay. Fair enough. All right. The um second most recent player uh to wear number 46 for the Rangers in 2016-17 was Marek Rivik from Slovakia. I like Hrevik was actually pretty good in the Wolfpack. I remember one of his junior teams, his nickname was the frog because when you pronounce his last name, it almost sounds like what a frog sounds like Rivik. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, but the first player to ever wear number 46 as a Ranger um, in 2006, 2007 was Dan Girardi. Well, I learned something new today. When he, made his debut, when he made his NHL debut, when he made his NHL debut, he won number forty-six. Before wow, that's pretty cool. Is that funny? How he goes from forty-six to picking the number in the middle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It is weird, uh, right? But it's probably because number six was already taken by Wade Redden. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. But Sorry. all right, well, fun. I learned something new today. I'll take that for sure. But with that being said, that's going to wrap up this extended version of Rangers Review, episode 46. We'll be back here a week or so from now on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, folks. Hopefully, another great four games upcoming for the Rangers. Hopefully, they at least start out the game good. I just want that. You know, comebacks are nice, but I don't want to see comebacks consistently. I want to see them dominate. So hopefully, we get some good games coming up starting tonight at the time of recording this but that'll do it folks thank you all so much for listening wherever you get your podcast leave a nice review all that fun stuff and steven let's go rangers let's go rangers